as we said, it's an Easter service this morning. And what I'd love to say is, I woke up this morning, floating out of bed, and felt really good. <laughs> the reality was very different. I'd lie if I was to say that that was what happened. This morning, over the last probably three or four days, I've felt really rough, just not been able to sleep very well. I've um, just not been able to switch off headaches or throats. Um, and this morning, as I was in bed, I was, I'd went into the spare bed because I couldn't sleep, and um, it was dark. I'd just kind of woken up a few times last night. It took me ages to go back to sleep. And uh, I just heard... Uh, now, if you're a parent, you know what that sound means. <laughs> that means that one of the children has awoken. It was still dark outside. So I just thought, oh, will you please let them go back to sleep, please. I kind of heard... Uh, da, 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 da. Thinking, oh, man. Come on, give me a break. Anyway... As I was lying in bed, I started to have a bit of a pity party. I was wallowing. I, um, I, to be honest, I just wanted to stay in bed, if I'm really, really honest with you. And as I started to listen, uh, Isaac, as he was shouting, he was shouting, Jesus, amen. Jesus, amen. Jesus, amen. And I thought, you know, he's taught me a lesson there. And straight away I thought, I've got to sort myself out. I can have a pity party. But my little boy has woken up on Easter service day excited. Jesus, amen. And I thought, you know, kids are never too young to teach us something, are they? So I've learned a really important lesson there, so thanks, son. Cheers. Um, <laughs> so, today we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians. We're going to be exploring this book, which is the eighth book in the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible. We've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. And behind us, you'll notice we've had this picture as we reach our kind of peak of our series on to Corinthians of the cross. And it's really important that we just remember that everything we read in Scripture points to this. Whether we understand the context of what's being said or how it's being said, all the Scripture points to Jesus and what he has done on the cross for us. So I'd really like you to just remember that this morning, that we remind ourselves of the love, the sacrifice just the pure passion he has for each and every one of us. So please bear that in mind. I'd like you to open your Bibles, and if you could turn to 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 to 2. So 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 to 2, which is what we're going to be looking at today. Just find it in my Bible. Here we go. It's quite short this morning, you'll be relieved to know. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness, and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Amen. So here, I'm just going to set the context, just remind you of what's going on for those who are new to us here. 2 Corinthians is a book written by Paul. Paul used to go around and murder Christians. He used to go and find them and throw them in prison. He passionately sought them out. However, he encountered Jesus in a miraculous conversion and changed his life. He turned his life around and then became one of the early church planters. He went around setting churches up. He spread the gospel to nations, moving on from town to town. And what we see is that Paul would write letters to churches to remind them, to encourage them, to give them direction. And 2 Corinthians, which is the letter we're looking at, is one of those letters. 
Now, it's really important that we understand the background to Corinth. It's key to our understanding here as we point towards Jesus. The city was founded by Julius Caesar in about 44 BC. And there was a reason why it was founded. It had a strategic positioning sorry, between different places. So it became this thriving trade hub. As it grew in wealth, people from all around, nations, came to live there to kind of get in on the wealth that was being generated there. And as we see here, Paul's written a letter to the church in Corinth, and he had a really interesting relationship with this church. The gospel had reached the city. A church had started there. But then as we read in 1 Corinthians, so the book before this, the letter before this, things started to go wrong. The people deviated from the original beliefs, mixing it with their own desires. We read in 1 Corinthians that Paul had to tackle many issues, including disunity, pride, conflict, sin, greed, personal attacks on him. The church had started off with great intentions, but slowly, just slowly, began to fall away, and it became spoiled. And this isn't a new problem. We can't just say that this is just applies to the church in Corinth. It's a problem within humanity, within human mankind. We read in Genesis 2 that God created the earth and man spoilt it. Man was given everything they could possibly need and we ruined it. We tainted it with our actions, with sin. We see this in history. If you just look back at the history books, you see this time and time again. Wars, crime, greed leading to atrocities, love, the love of people growing cold, bickering, arguing, pride, personal ambition. The list could just go on and on and on. If you don't believe me or you never looked before, just turn on the news. Just turn it on and you'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about. You see, where we are, where human mankind is, we have a habit of tainting and messing things up, be this in the church or the world. And why does this happen? Well, Paul writes in Galatians 5.17, another letter, about the flesh desiring what is contrary to the spirit. Human nature is one of sin. It's within us. It's part of us. Now, some of you might sit there and say, that's not right. How dare you say that about me? So I'm going to give you a little analogy here. Can I have three volunteers, please? Three people be brave. No, you're not going to do anything. You're just going to stand and look pretty. So can I have three volunteers? Do three people mind? Star, thank you. Three volunteers, thanks, Ben. Three. Got four there. <laughs> right. Okay, perfect. Right. Could A come and stand here for me? And just face that way for me. Chad, do you face that way? Can you face the others? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Ben, you come over here. All right. And turn and face Chad as well. This is what we would say is the spectrum of being good in the world. We have way over here. They are the extreme. The people that we look and go, I'm doing all right here. I'm not like them. Sorry, Carday, you picked the real wrong straw there. <laughs> Carday is a lovely guy, let me just remind you then, but he has drawn the short straw. Over here, we have people in the middle who look there and go, I'm not as bad as them, but you know, I'd like to be like them. I'm not as good as them. And over here, we have people like my grand, bless her. The lovely person, okay, who and says, do you know, I am a good person. I don't do half of what they do, and I'm definitely 
nowhere near as bad as this person here. <laughs> but we have this spectrum, which fits really well. However, what we need to realize is that what God's standard of good and holy is, is well over here. And, and the rest, you're right. You see, we can look at being good and what makes us a good person within this spectrum here, but what God deems as good, what God deems as holy, is over here. Way over here. The line is over here. And if I was to ask my gran, my lovely nan, a question, have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever sinned? I know my nan. She would say, yes, I've lost my temper. I've got angry. I've sworn. I've lied. So can you see our own understanding of what God, of what is good, sorry, is far short of the standard that God sets for being good and holy. Could we just give these guys a round of applause? Thanks, guys. You see, the issues within the Corinthian church are closer to home than we think. It's a reflection on us. It's symbolic of human nature, the way that we get something good and we taint it, we mess things up. And this casts a new light on our understanding of what's going on. The Corinth church had been established. Paul had overseen it and been abused. He'd been verbally attacked. He'd been told that he wasn't doing the right job. His integrity had been questioned as he tried to guide the church. He'd been criticised. And most of us at that point would have realistically walked away. I've had enough. Not interested anymore. Whatever I tell them to do, they're not doing. Whatever I ask them to do, they just don't listen. Why won't they just do the right thing? Most of us would have washed our hands and given up. It's the same with mankind. We sometimes think that God must look at us and go, what are we doing? How can you treat one another like that? How can you do that? What are you thinking? And we could end there, and that would be a rather bleak preach, not a really good one for a Easter Sunday. All right, we're all rubbish, we're all messed up. But the beauty here is, in Corinthians 6, 1-2, Paul doesn't. He's been attacked. His integrity has been questioned. His actions have been called into repute. But what does he do? He reminds them of salvation. Why? He's reflecting God's heart for us, for each and every one of us. You see... The Corinth church notoriously messed up. I'm just going to go back to our verse. Paul, who'd helped found the city, was questioned, he was attacked, he was verbally abused, and yet still after all that, after all the guidance he'd given, after all the love and care he'd shown them, he couldn't walk away because he loved them. He had a true passion for the gospel. So let's just go back to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1 to 2. As God partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. You see, Corinth church had loads of issues that needed addressing. And Paul tried his best to fix as many of them as he could. But in reality... He knew that the only way things could be truly fixed 
was through salvation, was being through pointed to the cross, to Jesus. That's the only truly way that we can be saved from ourselves, from our sinful natures, from our sinful desires. You see, before Jesus came, Jews were aware of their sins. They would offer a sacrifice as a payment. And this had to be continually done to make sure that the sin was paid for. When we look at Jesus, who came to be the lamb, that word, the lamb, is a reference to being the ultimate sacrifice, the untainted one. Because through him, that's the only way that our sinful nature, our desires, the way we mess up, can truly be forgiven. Jesus died for us. He knows that we mess up, just like Paul knew within the Corinthian church. He knows that we make mistakes. And you know, as I said before, all of us probably go, you know, after all those wars, after all those things that they do, after all the things I see behind closed doors, I'm just going to leave them to it. But he doesn't, because he loves us. He's a good father, amen? Jesus came to die for us so that we as sinners could be reconciled, could be forgiven. He paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be reunited, that our sins would be covered once and for all, for eternity, through what he did on the cross for us. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. And there's something unique in God's love for us. Something really unique. When you take a backward perspective and you look at it, there's something really unique. I've done research into lots of different religions when I was preparing this, and Christianity is the only one that I could find where God's humiliation is the centre of the belief. When we think about it, Jesus, God, knew that we were sinners. He knew that we were going to mess up. So he came down to be the sacrifice for us. He came down to give his life so that we could be reunited with God, so that we were no longer seen as sinners. And just think how he did it. He came, was whipped, was beaten, and hung on a cross. He hung. That would be the death I would choose. Particularly as God, I want a dignified death. Perhaps just lie down and fall asleep. That's how much he loved us. He would bear, God would bear himself on a cross for us, despite knowing what we're like, despite knowing what I'm like. I'm not standing here blameless before you at all. That offer of Jesus dying for you so that you can be reconciled, that you can become a person united with God, stands to each and every one of us. And that's an amazing thing to think, that even as he hung there on the cross, he was loving those people who were mocking him. He was loving those people who were spitting in his face and pulling his beard out, it tells us. He loved them. I'm just going to read us again, 2 Corinthians. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And I can't stand before you without loving you and telling you that this is really important. 
that you understand this. We can't stand here and pretty it up that this is so important what happened. Christ knew what we were like. He knew that we were never going to be good enough. He knew that we were never going to get to that line there. So he sent his son to die for us so that we could be reconciled. The ultimate sacrifice so that we can look at Jesus, that we can be close to Jesus. And what's happened? He's risen from the dead. He paid for our sins. And he stands praying for us, interceding for us, just calling your name, just, just, just let me in. We're told he stands at the doors and knocks. All we have to do is accept the gift. And when you think about it, it's such an easy gift. We just have to say, there's nothing we do in this process. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus gave his life, and Jesus was resurrected. All we have to do is say, yes, God, thank you for what you've done. I am so sorry for all the things I've done in the past. I'm included in that. But now... I'm going to follow you and I'm going to give you the glory that you deserve for dying for me. I was thinking about how to finish. I was on an R and I was thinking, can I come up with this really trendy way to finish? And do you know what? I didn't. I'm just going to go back to a very well-known verse that we all know and just read it. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. I'm just going to remind ourselves of that. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only one son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I'm getting really emotional there because that applies to me too. And so, I would just encourage you now, if you haven't ever called out to God, if you've never asked him to reveal himself to you, to show him who he is, to just take a moment, I'm just going to pray. And I really encourage you to just say the words. You can say them to yourself. You don't have to say them out loud if you don't feel comfortable doing that. Lord God, we thank you that you died for us. That you knew our hearts. You knew that we could never meet the standard of what is considered good enough. So you lovingly and willingly sent your son to die for us the ultimate sacrifice to be forgiven for our sins. Lord God, I accept this gift. It's as easy as that. I accept this gift and I'm sorry for the things I've done. But Lord God, show yourself to me. Reveal how much you love me. I accept your gift and declare you as Lord who deserves 
praise. Amen. Just as we finish there, if that's the first time you've prayed that, I'd love you to come and talk to me. Because we serve a good God. A God who loves us, who died for us on a cross of all things he could have chosen. So lovingly and so willingly. He loves you so much more than I can ever possibly tell you. But all you have to do is just respond and say, yeah. Do you know, I'm going to accept it. Thank you.